I started my own LinkedIn journey with groups and I started building them, Harry. And then I got competitive about some of them in terms of, because back then you could see there was a league of how well or how slowly, how fast or how slowly your groups were growing. Podcast Junkies, episode 233. Welcome back. I'm your host, Harry Duran. If you're new to the podcast, this is the show where we seek out interesting voices in podcasting, get them to kick back their heels and talk about their shows and whatever else is on their mind. In case you missed last week's show, we had a great conversation with Tyler Martin, host of Have a Blessed Gay podcast, a mix of spirituality, religion, and sexuality. And Tyler, who originally reached out to me cold via email, turned out to be one of the most fun conversations I've had on the show in a while. Episode 232, make sure you check that out. If you enjoyed this episode or have enjoyed past episodes and you haven't done it already, I'd love it if you leave a rating and review at ratethispodcast.com forward slash podcast junkies. This episode is also brought to you by Fullcast. If you're looking for help as a business with your podcast, we offer done for you services coaching and consulting with our done with you services. And now we also have the ultimate podcast dojo available. It's a new course and community designed to help you start your own podcast. Additional details at fullcast.co forward slash dojo, D-O-J-O. This week, we have the pleasure of speaking with Andy Foote, host of the Footnotes podcast. Andy and I connected on LinkedIn, and he's a true expert in the space. He shares his background as a LinkedIn brandologist, and we talk about the first memory and interaction he ever had with the internet and technology, the genesis story of how he got involved in digital marketing, and how he identified LinkedIn as his main platform. He shares his unique and specific writing style on how to create better content, and the strategies he's used to build authority and leadership on LinkedIn. We segue into the conversation about his new podcast and what he appreciates most about the medium and the skills he's learned as a result. Lastly, and specifically for my listeners, Andy shares common mistakes made by LinkedIn users, which will be valuable for you, I'm sure. As always, full show notes available at podcastjunkies.com forward slash 233. Stay tuned to the end of the episode where I reveal this week's retention hashtag. But for now, enjoy my conversation with Andy. So Andy Foote, host of the Footnotes podcast, thank you for joining us on Podcast Junkies. Harry, it is an absolute pleasure to be here. I'm already jealous of your last name, Duran Duran. Well, you know, I kind of grew up with that. I'm sure you get that all the time. But it's cooler than foot, let's put it that way. How much did you get made fun of in primary school? Dude, it was not that bad. Not as bad as you might imagine. The worst, and I'm, you know, absolute worst, was that I was called footy every now and again, right? So I try and stop that at source. Yeah, I'm a child of the 80s, so I would, I use the Duran Duran reference a lot. And I find that the older I get, the less relevance it has as well. Yeah, lots of quizzical looks. Yeah, especially in a crowded bar where you would go out and then they'd ask you for your credit card to hold the tab open and they say, what's your last name? And I'm like, Duran, like Duran Duran. And they'd be like, oh, I got it. And then I started noticing like, what, what? After- <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, that was that D O T O R. Yeah, no giraffe. Oh, yeah. yeah. So when people first have a conversation with you, are they surprised that you are not American <laughs> if they've only engaged with you online? Yeah, so that's a great question because. You know, I'm obviously in the business of enticing people and indeed, you know, working under the assumption that people do actually read, number one, and number two, do actually read your profile and your about section. So, yeah, I do get that a lot. And I guess people just assume, well, most people on LinkedIn are American. And, and, but that, you know, that's not entirely wrong because that's a huge subsection right there. Yes. You know, I think America leads in, in terms of, you know, active usage of LinkedIn. So, no, what I get more commonly is when I'm speaking with someone and they think I'm a Kiwi. And when I say someone, I mean an American. Yeah. Because, you know, I spent 10 years in the, in the States and it becomes Americanized. And, you might not hear it now, but people might think, well, if they if they don't know what an English or a British accent sounds like, then they may well assume, oh, Kiwi. So I love the Kiwis. I mean, you know, great sense of humor. So for folks who may not be aware of you and what you do, what do you tell folks when they ask you uh, what your current gig is? Yeah. So I'm a, essentially a linked brandologist, a LinkedIn brandologist. So I focus on coaching individuals, mainly individuals, on essentially improving their brand and their presence on LinkedIn. That's the core of it. And then I also help with achieving their objectives. So whatever it is they're trying to get done via LinkedIn, then I help them with the strategy piece too. And you know, much of that focuses on the content journey you know, my belief that everyone has a story to tell. Yes. And it's a question of how best to tell that. So a number of different things come in to the mix. So I'm a wordsmith, I'm a marketer, and somebody who has, you know, hopefully deep knowledge of LinkedIn, the LinkedIn platform and how it works. That's in a nutshell what I do. And where did you grow up and where's home for you currently? So I'm an army brat, which means that I was, I was born in Germany. I'm actually half German, half Scots, which is quite an interesting hybrid. And I'm uh, the product of uh, conflict, right? So if it wasn't for World War II and the, you know, the subsequent occupation of Germany by uh, not just the British forces, but a number of different countries post-war, then I wouldn't have existed because my dad would not have swung into a little dorf, a little village in Germany in his flash uniform. It was Beatlemania right? Sees my mum, right? His future wife sitting on the stool in the pub. And of course, it's it's a slam dunk for him. It's it's far too easy for him to court her and win her heart. Yeah, And that's how I came about. That, that was my origin story. And at the time, a lot of postings for British forces back then were in Europe, in Germany. And I spent my formative years in Germany being educated at British forces schools. And I spent some time as a toddler in Edinburgh, up in Scotland. Yes. Eventually ended up going to college down on the south coast in Sussex in England. And home now? Home now is the northern burbs of, of Chicago. So we used to live in Lincoln Park, and now we're up in the Winnetka area. What was the 
first the first paying job you had? First paying job, if we're not talking about summer jobs and uh, you know mowing the lawn and doing all that good stuff, I think my entry into earning a living wage would have been recruitment. Okay. Yeah. So recruitment. I I studied law and I studied law up in Scotland for various reasons. At one point, you know, I I realised or they were offering the option to study English law in a Scottish institution. And I decided, yeah, that might be a good idea. And then I changed my mind, so I ended up doing Scots law. And then I just I just didn't fall in love with the practice of law, Harry. You know, I, I would walk past um, partners, and they just seemed to be miserable. <laughs> there was this one guy in particular, you know, he seemed to just be in there constantly, not on the phone, head over some documents, almost in darkness. And I was thinking, yeah, this this might not be for me, or at least not now. Yeah. So I figured, you know, if I change my mind again, then maybe, you know, maybe I'll come back to it. But at least, you know, get qualified, become a, you know, a lawyer, and then, you know, figure out other stuff. And the other stuff was uh, recruitment. Uh, so I became a recruiter in London, but serving the legal profession. Okay. So I like to have this conversation with folks of our generation. What was your first memory slash interaction with technology or the internet, whichever comes to mind for you? Mm, interesting. I think it would have been would have been at college, and I think that's when I would have started to be interested in the internet and. I can still remember the, you know, the sound that the fax made. Yes. Uh, not not the fax, but the, the modem. Whatever. The modem, yeah. thank you. The modem made and, you know, the AOL discs that we used to get in the magazines. Do you remember your first email address? My first email address. I'm sure it wasn't, but I, re I really can't recall it. But I remember when Gmail came out, I was on that. I was on that so fast you know, it's like, oh, got to get my name, got to get my name. So, yes, I got Andy Foote. And I thought, oh, got to get Andrew Foote. Oh, and it, I ended up with like, I don't know, eight, ten Gmails. Yeah. So, you know, now I have them in reserve, right? Because once, you know, my the one that I use for all the all the commercial stuff, business, not business, but, you know, the, the filling out the forms and the products yeah. and all that, if that gets too noisy and I'm almost up to my whatever the allotment is of data, I just bin it and I go into one of my reserves. But Gmail, to me, is still one of the best. Yes. And, you know, I see people with, with non-email, uh, non-Gmail, you know, AOL is an example, or Yahoo, and it, it certainly does date them. It does. Let's, yeah. put, it, let's put it that way. I had a net, Netcom email. I don't know if you remember that. It was oh, wow. I, Netcom. <laughs> Interest, and then of course there are the ones you get, you know, with your cable, sometimes, right? Yeah, yeah. I did discover. Don't ask me how, but I did discover a brand new email service provider. Hey. Yes, by the same people that do Basecamp, and I am loving this. Hey. Yeah, me too. I'm hey testing me. it out. It's so. It's just like it's so refreshing. It's oh, inbox. You know, they call it im, im as in yes, yeah, important, important think, yeah. box. Love it. What's interesting is that it's you have to think about how you use and process email differently because yeah. I think for me in, in Gmail it's just like oh I'll, I'll get to it later and I start to use these stars and these filters and I think 
hay wants you to think about immediately what you want to do with it and then get it out of the way. And it's, it's not as easy to go back and find the old stuff and maybe that's intentional. No. So I, I think it's forcing you to think differently about how you, how you do process that inbox. Yeah. Yes, it's kind of retraining us, yeah. I think. And I think at the back of my mind, I'm thinking that once I train myself and once I categorize you know, how to treat incoming, yeah. then I think it's going to be a lot easier. So, yeah, very glad, very glad, still on a learning curve. As an example, you know, I was using, was it the feed? I was, I was using it for the wrong thing, apparently, and I can't oh, yeah, contact. Yeah. yeah, there's different labels. Yeah, so for the benefit of the listener, yeah. it's they have you target it and and when it, when something comes in you have to place it in your set aside that the the feed and then what's the other one i'm looking at it now <laughs> uh, it's something to do with the receipts yeah, or yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah 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 the, your paperwork file your paper trail yes yes and so i was using the feed as a feed but they were saying no no feed is for feed is for campaigns or, or newsletters i was like, oh well that's oddly specific but I'm down with whatever. Hey, I'm just going to do what you tell me to do because <laughs> I'm a I'm a newbie and it's your toy. So yeah, yeah, I, I love that kind of innovation. You know, stuff that we've been dealing with for years, and then something completely fresh comes along, and it's like, yeah, why didn't we do this from the start? Yeah, and the, and the team at Basecamp they do a really good job of of helping you think differently about things that we take for granted, or just everyone assumes that just email is the way it is, and there's no no new innovations in it. So I, I think it's yep. really, I'm, I'm a bit of a tool and, and new services junkie. I joke that I'm, I could start a daily podcast and have a new tool or service every day. And if I could just get them batch recorded, I'd easily have three or 400 episodes. <laughs> it's ready-made content, and it's not working because you're enjoying it. Yes, yeah. Just to make them one minute or two minute longs and, and, and just, you know, knock out 30 or 40 in one shot or something. I would watch. <laughs> What's it? Maybe we'll take, team up on that. We'll, we'll have another problem. Not that we need other projects, right? You know, we, just, we have all this spare time and nothing to do with it. Yep. Do you remember your first PC? Oh, yes. Yes, I think. Uh, yeah, I do. It was a Dell. Dell, okay. It was a big, chunky, I think it was gray or cream. Yes, of course. Uh, and I remember when, how excited I was when it arrived. I think it was two boxes. Yeah, that thing was a workhorse, and I absolutely loved it. Yeah. And then I think I went from one extreme to another, this big, chunky Dell desktop to a... Do you remember the the very slim and tiny Sony? I think it was a Sony Vio. Oh, Veo. Yes. Yes, those are sexy. <laughs> oh my. <laughs> they tried Goodness. to be the MacBooks basically. They they're, yes. they're seeing what Apple was doing, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean the screen was tiny and it was ridiculous. Uh, but yeah, yeah. So so to go from the desktop to that was was quite quite the change. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'm a gadget guy, you know. When did you start delving into the world of digital marketing and specifically, you know, as as you started to move into LinkedIn as as like your preferred platform? Talk a little bit about that journey because I'm I haven't had we know Karen Yankovic. She's yeah. I think it, yeah, Karen's been on the show as well and she's talked about the benefits of LinkedIn. So it's been I, I think she's the only one that comes to mind in terms of coming on the podcast, but it's that was years ago and so much has yeah. changed since then. So I'm really excited to go deeper into that. But I'm curious how, you know, from studying law, you know, get, delving into the world of the online world, you know, what that journey looked like for you. Yeah. So I definitely have mostly been throughout my life, a digital consumer. I think the closest I got to producing anything would have been writing into magazines 
particularly proud of myself that I think it was Stuff Magazine. I think Stuff Magazine is still going. <laughs> and I would write in uh, usually about technology. And uh, on both of the occasions that I wrote in, I got Star star Letter. And I thought, yes. Uh, so, yeah, I'm a, I'm a writer. I can write. Yeah. And then I think there was a small prize there as well for both. So, you know, that's that was way back, but mostly a consumer of digital content. And, you know, I, I'm sad to say that I don't read books anymore. I used to, years ago, I used to be in the habit of going to bed with a book every night. You know, just, just a great way to wind down. Yeah. And now, of course, everything is, is on the iPad. Okay. Are you a Kindle reader? So, I, I've, yes. So, I, I've had Kindles, right? I, I buy the Kindle and I never use it. I got and the paperweight. And yeah, just, now I've got the paperweight. Yeah, so for, I'm, I'm flashing this on the screen for you, those oh, listening at home. So it's, it's so fantastic. easy. <laughs> it's fantastic. So yes, a few months ago, I've been, uh, you know, I got that and it's it's a breeze, a delight to use. And so that's the thing that's going to get me back into, you know, reading books as opposed to just farting around on the the iPad and click, click, and uh, okay, Apple News, okay, what's next? What's next? Yeah, when you read on a device that's not meant for reading, like your phone or like the computer, inevitably you'll get sucked into yes. some other rabbit hole. And, yes. And, and that's the beauty. It's, it's actually been enjoyable. It's so light. You can hold it with two fingers. The look and feel, you can read in sunlight. It's, yeah, it, it's... Yeah, yeah. We've got to clarify, we're not getting sponsored by Amazon for this. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jeff. Yeah, so... I think when I started actually, you know, being a digital marketer was when I uh, was at home with my newborn and I was looking online and I, I discovered, came across LinkedIn and this would have been around 2008, I think. And it blew my mind because you know, I had always been interested in networking in real life. So, you know, I would be the guy working the room and meeting as many people as I possibly could. And, you know, not just grabbing the business cards, although I always got a stack, but, you know, making meaningful connections and then following up. So that was, you know, whenever I had a sales component, component that was a thing that I, I really enjoyed, enjoyed doing. And I would also try to bring in folks who were not as comfortable doing that. And I would say, hey, come on over, join us. And so, you know, trying to be a connector as well, because it's no fun going to these things and just like not meeting anyone yeah. and having a, you know, a sandwich and then, you know, going, what's, what's the point, right? So, yeah, always been into the human element and interaction. And then LinkedIn comes along into my awareness sphere. And it was incredible to me, but, you know, I could, wait, I can build groups. I can build communities online. And they'll have a potential audience, a worldwide audience. And I can build communities around any subject I want. And I can do it now. And it's going to take me seconds. And then people are actually going to join. It's just, oh, that's, that's cool. That, yeah, that's yeah. so cool. So I started my own LinkedIn journey with groups. And I started building them, Harry. And then I got competitive about some of them in terms of, because back then you could see there was a league of how well or how slowly, how fast or how slowly your groups were growing. How many are we talking about here? All right. So I think back then when I first started, you could do t you could run ten. I think now they've doubled it. I think wow. it's twenty that you can yeah you can create and run. And then for some of them that weren't growing as fast as I wanted, bearing in mind the the quota that I had, I would jettison. I would essentially go to you know the members and say, okay, which one of you would like to 
own the group. I'm, I'm going to hand it over to you because I'm going to do something. I'm going to do, you know, run another one, create another one. And so there are groups out there that I've created and I've no idea. <laughs> well, I'd have to go back and check, you know, but yeah. So th that was where I really got into LinkedIn. And then I thought, well, you know, I can write. Let me share what I know. Let me try that. And I'm kind of glad that the early stuff that I've written on my little blog is uh, buried <laughs> and because it wasn't very good. No, not, not good. Nobody's is. Yeah. And that's the cool thing about Google because you know it's not good because it doesn't get anywhere in the first page. And then all of a sudden, one of my articles did get on the first page. That was cray-cray because then I got, you know, thousands of visitors, thousands of uniques. And I thought, oh, that's, I want to capture that lightning again. How, 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 how did I do that? So it was quite unusual back then. This was 2013, I believe. I wrote something called Three Stunningly Good LinkedIn Summaries. What I didn't know at the time was that that turned out to be quite a popular search phrase, you know, two in particular. I would land on the first page for LinkedIn summaries and LinkedIn summary examples. And I had no idea about SEO at the time. Yeah. So I got exceedingly lucky. And when Google put that on the first page, that's when the magic started to happen. And then, you know, because I was still learning, I went to see a local SEO guru here uh, who is fantastic, a guy called Andy Crestodina. I've heard of Andy or I've seen his stuff. Or, yeah. He's Orbit Media is his company. Just phenomenally clever and you know sophisticated about about content marketing his book is is incredible too so i sat down with him and i said andy how long is this success going to last how long am i going to be on the first page at the top no how long do my 15 minutes page? of fame last yes exactly is it going to be five is it going to be five days and he said dude i don't know <laughs> he said i don't know enjoy it while you can and it's like, well, okay, I will. And I enjoyed it for years. It was, uh, yes, it was astonishing that no one else was kicking me off the perch. So after that, I just, okay, so why did it do so well? And I think people crave authenticity. Yeah. And it's not, it's not enough just to write and describe something. If you can actually give real life examples, that's what this piece was. It was three, you know, screenshots of summaries as they were called at the time. They're now called about sections. And not only did I, you know, happen upon three that were, I thought, pretty good in my estimation, and I found them very quickly as well because I wasn't connected with all three, I think just one. The research part came very easy to me, and then the writing part came easy too because I was demonstrating why I felt they were good, and I broke it down for people, broke it down for the readers. And that obviously it was something that people were interested in because they could relate. They could see, oh, yeah, okay, so I see exactly what Andy's talking about. And, you know, it's, it's, it's useful data. I can try and replicate this. I can try and do this myself. And I think maybe the reluctance on other people to do that was worried about getting sued, right, because you're using screenshots. What is the legality of this? And I felt, well, you know, as a lawyer, it's in the public realm, but also, at the end of the day, you're not actually writing anything negative. You're actually, this is a, and of course, all three folks that I featured loved it. 
Oh yeah. <laughs> one guy, one guy got so hacked off because eventually Mark Lazen, who had this uh, very interesting line in his summary, it went, um, "I run towards fires," and it, you know, I loved it because yeah. it's like, yes, I totally get what this dude. It's a conversation is starter, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And of course, people loved it too, very much so that thousands upon thousands of people ripped him off. And he started to actually say that in his summary at the bottom saying, so since being featured in Andy Foote's, uh, very kindly by Andy Foote in his article, lots of you are now doing exactly the same. Please be original people. (laughs) Yeah, so all kinds of uh, good stuff. So that's when I started writing and, you know, trying to put out the best quality of content that I possibly could. And the early stuff was crap, Harry, because I was I was too in love with the language, too much into the words instead of the message. And I think the time I got much better was when I started to write uh, how I speak. Can you talk a little bit about that a little bit more? Uh, just how, yeah, because yeah, I think that's valuable, especially for a lot of folks, people listening that are content creators. Yeah, I think that's the concern for most people before they start any kind of writing, particularly, you know, in public and stuff that's going to be read by other folks, is that I think we're all capable of speaking, right? We're all capable of having a conversation. And that's all you have to do. You have to write how you're having a conversation with the reader. If you can do that, if you can pull that off then your work is done and you keep doing that. So you keep thinking about, okay, how do I put this into very you know, simple terms and just use the vocabulary that I've got. Don't worry too much about the words. Focus on the message. Focus on engaging. And that was, uh, I think, what worked for me. And then, it, then I, I kind of got, I got validation because, you know, I got articles that were, again, heavily searched or you could say heavily found, right? That's my whole thing on LinkedIn, too, is I'm all about the conversation. I'm still competitive. So if I add a comment... I'm not going to waste my time. I'm not going to waste anyone anyone else's time by reading that comment. I want that comment to be dripping with value or or personality. Uh, I think, you know, that's what I'm always after. So when I get, you know, whatever, 30 likes for a particular comment, yes, I won the comments. (laughs) Who cares? Only Andy does. But to me, that's a feedback junkie. I want as much feedback as I can so I can improve. I can figure out, you know, what people what people are, uh, you know, responding to and, yeah, liking. Not, not just c- comments for the, for the sake of it being a vanity metric, but to right. your point, what, it, what was it specifically about that people are saying that I can use so that I can create even better content? Totally. It's, it's always about self-improvement. Yeah, as my father, you know, was very fond of telling me growing up, son, the learning process never ends. And... So right, you know, lots of wise stuff from the old man, but yeah, you you never stop learning because there's always something new. There's something that you can tweak about yourself or gain from being observant and watching how other others do it and how others uh, succeed. So I, I think I first caught wind of your work as I started to dig in into this world of LinkedIn because for me it's a huge source of lead generation and I've toyed around with like LinkedIn pods and you know the pros and cons of that we can talk about that as well but I started and then I found your Facebook group and then your LinkedIn group so talk a little bit about how as you started to focus in as on LinkedIn as your platform of choice what you started to do to, to build up authority and leadership and then we'll dive into the podcast as well. Sure. 
So I guess I, I'll say at the outset that, you know, I'm a, I've said this so often now, people, if, if they were listening to my podcasts or other podcasts might, might think, okay, Andy, change it up. But uh, yeah, I mean, I'm an overnight success that took 10 years. And, you know, that's, I think, certainly what, what my clients may sometimes struggle with, because it does take time for you to build up certainly a tribe, you know, certainly people that are totally into you yeah. and will follow you and will engage. And so that's not going to happen overnight. Um, and you know, I'm the product of someone who essentially, I'm the beneficiary of, of someone who's been on the platform day in, day out on a very regular basis, because that's my, that's my day job. So, you know, that's, that's the first point I'd make. So it takes time, but it, it will happen. And then you'll see it happen as well, because everything on LinkedIn, or a lot of LinkedIn is public, you can see what's working, what's not what's working for you, what's working for others, what's not working, vice versa. So that's part of my approach. This episode is brought to you by Podcast Movement. This year's conference is virtual and will be held from October 19th through the 29th. Find out more at virtual.podcastmovement.com. This year, the world's largest conference for podcasters becomes the world's largest virtual online event in podcast history this October 19th through the 29th. There are four main event days spread across two weeks with optional workshops each day in between. Join thousands of podcasters from around the world for over 100 live interactive breakout sessions and workshops, topics and tracks focused on everything from creating your show to monetizing your podcasts, and will appeal to podcasters of all skill levels from brand new to experts. Over 150 virtual exhibitors will be there live to demo their latest podcasting gear, equipment, and services. Podcast Movement invested months into researching the virtual event platforms and has selected one that they feel is the best out there and can't wait for everyone to join them on it this October. Podcast Movement Virtual takes place October 19th through the 29th and tickets start at $119. Visit virtual.podcastmovement.com and if you sign up, use the code PODCASTJUNKIES for the biggest discount that you'll find anywhere. And remember, this discount ends soon. Once again, virtual.podcastmovement.com. The conference holds a special place in my heart since it's the very first podcasting conference I intended as a podcaster. And with the exception of the LA event, I've been to every single podcast movement. So excited to see what the team's putting together for October. Now, I'm just curious how, you know, you start, there's, there's certain folks, if you spend a lot, enough time on LinkedIn, but also gravitate towards the people that are trying to improve what they're doing and following best practices and people who keep tabs of what's happening behind the scenes at LinkedIn, and then the people who gripe about the features that do or do not exist and how it can be a bit maddening sometimes yeah. if you try to compare, you know, platform yes. to platform and, and why groups are so hard to manage because there's no admin tools that are helpful <laughs> for, for LinkedIn group managers, which is maddening and frustrating. But, you know, just I was just been noticing that, you know, your name pops up. Mary Henderson is popular in LinkedIn space. I'm wondering, you know, how that started to happen. Is it was it just a function of you just adding adding more and more value and, and more people working with you that they were looking to you for guidance on the platform? Yeah, it's interesting how people become aware of other people on LinkedIn. It, that's interesting to me. It's you know how do people collide? How do people discover? 
And, you know, a lot of it has to do with notifications because you can, you know, you can be tagged by, by anyone. Yeah. You can be tagged by, you know, someone who you don't know and, you know, they've only recently become aware of you because someone's put together an online magazine like, you know, Mary Henderson has, uh, just who I call the Forbes, the Forbes of LinkedIn. She's, yes, uh, that's a beautiful magazine doing something phenomenal there. I mean, you know, way to execute on the vision. It's called Authority, just, I think, or? Just remarkable. Authority 5.0. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, we'll have a link to that in the show notes. It's a beautifully uh, presented magazine, yeah. I was lucky enough to be in, in edition number I one. saw that, yeah. That's just crazy. So, yeah, it, how, how does one become aware of other people? I think certainly there's something to do with profile that, you know, the more, I think, the more that you put out, for example, great content, then the more people you attract, then there's something about standing on the shoulders of others. So that there are a ton of great LinkedIn coaches out there. And, you know, more often than not, we kind of stick together. And because we all know that we're, we're stronger, stronger together. Rising tide, yep. Yep, the, yep, the expression, you know, if you want to go somewhere fast, go along. And if you want to go further, go together. Yes. And it's it's so true because we can't monitor absolutely everything that's happening on LinkedIn and, you know, be fully aware. The way that we're fully aware is by sharing, you know, the new stuff, what we've observed and our learnings with each other. And so, you know, we're not we're not at all competitive like that. That's why I built the Facebook group, because I, you know, I wanted to build a community of LinkedIn coaches slash fans you know, people that are just very interested in the platform. And I did it on Facebook because, it, you know, it was kind of like a protest vote because LinkedIn groups are so, so shit. Yeah, it, it's standing on the shoulders of others by helping one another, learning from one another. And generally speaking, you know, we all play pretty well. There are some folks that just want to do their own thing. And that's that's totally fine. And pods, you know, you mentioned pods. I experimented with pods about a year and a half ago, I think. I was just intrigued. I wanted to see, you know, what's the deal? Does it work? And the whole idea of pods for people listening is that they're essentially a way to boost initially any kind of content that, you know, is being commented on, being shared, being reacted on by the pod members. So they'll they'll collude, collaborate together, and they'll say, okay, here's a pod post. It's by one of our members. Go and boost it. And so they'll engage on it like crazy all of them, however many there are, for the first, you know, the first whatever sixty minutes, the possibly the golden hour, yeah. And then by doing so, what they're trying to do is uh, signal to the algorithm that, yeah, this is worthy of, of further distribution. So I wanted to try it. You know, to be frank, I don't think it worked, Harry. I don't think. I think maybe the algorithm knew what we were doing, and I think that that might have been a factor. But there was also other stuff going on. For example, you have to be really in love with the other people and their content. And, you know, that's the thing. If you've got if you've got certain standards or if, you know, someone is writing about a certain career space or business space and that ain't yours, then it's like, well, why am I engaging on this? I feel it's forced. Yeah. That's the other, I think, downside. It's rare for you to get, you know, whatever, 50 people that are all into one thing. And then the other, I think the deal breaker was when one of the pod members uh, in the second pod that I was running one of them said, or, or let me know that LinkedIn were investigating pods. Ooh, really? Okay. 
Let me go and test that. Let me go and check. I got very lucky. I reached out to LinkedIn support and got someone who was very capable of answering. And I got a very clear, yes, it is against. Because I said, is it is it against? Because this, this is what I'm doing. Is it against the UA? Yeah. And they said, yes, it is. And uh, specifically, it's gaming. We think we think pods are gaming. So you know, we can we can go back and forth about, well, what about LinkedIn Elevate, right? Do you remember Elevate? Elevate was essentially doing the same pod-like behavior, but it was for organizations and their employees, mm. for employees oh, yeah. to boost the org- Yeah, so, and that, you know, that disappeared. Frankly, you could name 10 other examples of pod-like behavior. And it's just that, well, one is organized, one p- perhaps not so. Yeah. And, you know, what's the difference? But at the end of the day, the bottom line, yes, was that I'm going to be a good boy and LinkedIn is my livelihood. So I'm not going to piss them off for sure. And I'm going to stay on the right side of the line. And my experiment was over. I kind of had decided not the ROI that I was hoping for. And let's go back to organic. And so talk a little bit about now, I, I get the sense you're, you you are, are an autophile or you appreciate audio quality because you are, I believe that's the Heil PR40 that you're recording on right now. So I'm grateful for the quality of the sound that you have. And I'm wondering if that was always the case or when you started to realize or, or were thinking about creating a podcast. Talk about- I can totally tell why you're thinking that's the mic. <laughs> if I move it, if I move it like this, it's the Electro Voice RE20. Oh, okay. Got it. Yeah, yeah. So this thing is, it's like a tank. Yeah, yeah. It, it, I mean, I could kick this around <laughs> and, you know, drop it a hundred times and it's still going to be amazing. And it's, it's got a built-in pop filter. I mean, come Sounds on. Like- <laughs> so whenever I see people using them, right, with a pop filter, I'm thinking, well, why do you need that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> is that, you know, is that for looks? So, yeah, yeah. To me, you know, once I decided to do the podcast, Harry, number one on my list of essentials was the audio quality needs to be as best as it possibly can be. And, you know, there's a lot that you can do, obviously, on your side to make that happen and to deliver that. On the guest side, yeah, sometimes there are, there are, there are going to be issues. But from my side, I wanted my voice to be absolutely, you know, pristine and uh, studio so that's why I went with this mic, because I realized after researching it that lots of studios, lots of professional studios have this have this amazing thing. And uh, I got a deal as well, you know, <laughs> second hand. That always helps, like, yeah. Yeah, it was like 200 and whatever, 220 bucks. I said, I'll take it, <laughs> take it, yes. And so there's that. And then, you know, I've, I've got it plugged in because I realized, okay, it's uh, what, XLR, so I need to have a mixer. My previous mic was was also pretty good. I'm trying to remember the name of it. That was, you know, USB. So I needed a mixer, and then I thought, okay, Rodecaster Pro, that's sexy. Ooh, I can hit a button. Lots of knobs. Have a, Lots you know, of knobs and switches <laughs> and can, lights. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And then it's super for newbies, super easy for newbies as well, because it's, you know, it's, it's easy enough to understand. Yeah, that's the, the rig. That's the setup. And then, of course, you know, I say of course, but... Squadcast was also entered my research realm. And when I realized what these guys were doing, I thought, oh, that's cool. Because it gives me, you know, the face-to-face where I can actually see the person I'm speaking with, which is so, so I think, so important. There's nothing nothing better than actually face-to-face. As um, many, you know, people working from home doing Zoom will, 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 will agree, will attest. So, and then the Squadcast quality, audio qualities, again, is exactly, you know, what I wanted. 
and it's dead easy. You know, you send them a link. They're in the green room. They're already they're already feeling special yeah, yeah, yeah. in the green room. Andy, where are the snacks? <laughs> yeah, where are my green M and M's? Yeah, yeah. His yeah, here's my rider. Yeah, there's there's no rider. Yeah, you should you should be paying me. You should be paying me for this. Yeah, yeah. That it's my dream setup. I'm so so pleased with with everything. And then the on the back end. Because of those, you know, issues that may may happen sometimes. I use GarageBand. I'm on a Mac, and again, very very happy and pleased because I've got the IKEA attitude towards, you know, building and 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 putting stuff together. Yeah. And I I don't look at the I don't look at the manual. I guess I'm a typical <laughs> I'm a tip, typical guy. I just I want to figure it yeah. out, and I, I really don't want to read anything online. I just want to see if I can figure it out. And and GarageBand, you know, little things like being able to split, you know, split the playhead and uh, and delete this part. And I had a, an early guest. I won't mention his name, Bruce. Bruce, I hate you, Bruce. He's a good buddy, but there was this thing that he that was going on on his side on his sound, and I got I got so good at, at spotting the the peak. On, was he lip, lip smacking or ums and ums? <laughs> it was it was like this weird thing that I don't know what I mean. If it was lip smacking, I would have stopped. Yeah. I said stop it. But it was it was background, and I was able to. I mean, it took me like ten times the, the time that I normally spend on post production, but I was able to cut all of those out. And yeah, thank goodness. You know that uh, the script they've got a new feature where they. For people who don't know, I've had Andrew Mason on a couple of times on the show, and Descript allows automated transcriptions, overdub, which allows you to record your own voice and insert it in there, which is pretty freaky. But now you can pick a, a set of phrases that you just take off the boxes, um, ah, uh, like, because, because, and you start to list them all, and it'll go find them and bulk remove them. I haven't tested that piece out, but that's absolutely fascinating. I haven't either, and I've got this. I've got the script. Yeah, I've got the script, and I went. I thought I would use Otter, yeah. and then I decided, no, hold on. The script allows me to put those audiograms together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, got to go with the script. And now I'm so ridiculously busy with other stuff that I'm I'm using someone on Fiverr okay. to log into my the script and do that <laughs> stuff for me. Uh, so yeah, yeah, I'm thinking well. How do I find the time? So speaking of time, so talk to me why the podcast, because you had already had a lot of traction, you know, blogging for a while, building up thought leadership on LinkedIn and Facebook, you know, where people have come to know you as, as a go-to resource for thing all things LinkedIn. What clicked for you that made you think that podcasting was the next logical step for you? Yeah. So I think... When I saw, I mean, you only have to do a search on Google Trends, you know, do a search on podcasts or podcasting. You can see how it how it's rocketed and how it's still way up there. And so there's this apparently, you know, unending appetite for, for podcasts and there are millions of them. And so, you know, I was thinking initially, well, why, you know, why should I do one? Why me? Why should I even bother with that? And then I started to think more about it and thinking, this was particularly last year, that, wow, I've, I've got this outstanding network right, on LinkedIn. I mean, truly outstanding people, just very, very, it goes back to what I was saying earlier about everyone having a story. Yes. And I also particularly wanted to explore and spend time with people who, you know, were not the influencers, because I just, I figured that people who have got thousands 
of whatever and, and, you know, get high engagement anyway and are killing it on LinkedIn, let's say obviously killing it on LinkedIn, you know, I, I don't necessarily want to sit down with them. I mean, people are aware of them. I think by people, you know, I mean, the majority of people know who so-and-so is. So I think there's that layer underneath of, you know, just superstars and gems who maybe don't have that obvious influence, but are just nonetheless just superstars in every other sense. I wanted to hit those and I wanted to get those people on. And that's, I think that's my sweet spot. And I try and keep it authentic as well. And I try and keep it you know, straight down to business. I don't like long intros on podcasts. <laughs> yeah, me I think neither. People, yeah, I think people fall in love with the production and it's, oh, let's make it sound professional. No, no, no. Just That's why I have the, the small, you know, weird little audio signal that it's about to start. And I get stuck in and I get straight to, you know, my, my burning questions. So why the podcast? I was just... LinkedIn, I've been doing LinkedIn for so long now, and it's like I need something new and I need something which is a, a little different for, you know, a creative outlet. And, yeah, I like to think that I'm, uh, you know, fairly agile on my feet. I'd love to do research as well, which is something, you know, hopefully that comes through yeah. in, in my content strategy. Dude, it's all there, right? The, the LinkedIn is my research. The LinkedIn stuff on them, research tool number one. Research number two is the web. And then when they sit down with me and we, we are facing each other in Squadcast, they've already seen the questions. And what they know then is that, yeah, dude's done his research. I mean, these are just not the standard podcast questions. These Andy's going deep, he's going different. And because of that, it's a better listening experience. I think people you know, get the fact that my guest is is basically not forewarned, but, you know, basically informed, informed yeah. and also happy that Andy's a pro, he's done his work, and I want to make it fun, I want to make it easy for them, and I, th I hope all of that comes across. Little things, Harry, like, I'm going to introduce them. I, I don't like it when people say, so tell me about yourself, that's an interview question. Would you like to tell our listeners you know, about how you got <laughs> yeah. started? No, yeah. I'm going to do that for you, right? And hopefully... Hopefully, I, you know, they like yeah. it. You know, I nail it. So I'm trying to make it easy for them. I'm, I want to make it fun. And I want them at the end of the podcast to say to me, wow, I really enjoyed that, Andy. Uh, you know, let's do it again. I think it was interesting. I saw in one of your posts how surprised you were at how much you're enjoying the podcast. And I think you said something along the lines of like, I'm going to be spending more time on this. You know, I've got a couple of irons in the fire, but I'm, I'm really loving the podcast and what's been happening so far. And so what was it about the medium that you're appreciating and that you're enjoying and, and how, you know, what new skills are you learning as a result of now being a podcast host? Yeah. So you mentioned uh, earlier with Descript how it's good at taking the, the fillers, right? The um, uh, I hope that I'm getting better with, the lack of ums, because that's been a crutch, I think, that I... Years ago, I listened to something, and uh, I was shocked at how many ums. I mean, it was like, not um, it was probably five ums a, <laughs> you know, a minute. It was, it was dreadful. So, yeah, that, I, I'm loving the immediacy of it. The, it's, it's live, you know, even though there are questions, and there's a huge, huge list of questions that I'll never, ever get to, and I, I make that very clear... And I love the agility, the dynamism, the dynamic aspect of it, you know, when you're jumping around. Because my, my guest will say something and I'm thinking, well, I can't ask that now. 
if I ask that, that now, that's going to sound like I'm not listening. Yes. And then the learning thing for me, too, is uh, a big one. Initially, I want redos. I want to go back to my early guests to do over because I feel that I'm a, a much different interviewer now. Because early I was like, I was just like very rigid and worried about, okay, what question? What yes. question? Let like me, can I read the question? Yeah. I, yes. And it was, it was palpable to me. I think I could hear it in my voice. And I, I don't think they got, you know, the, the footnotes experience, the early, the early guests. I want, to, I want them to come back and to, you know, speak with the new version of me. But you, the more you do it, Harry, you know this, our listeners know this, the more you do something, inevitably, you pick new things up, you improve, and you think, yeah, I got this, yeah, I got this. So the darting around on the question sheet, that's an important for me to always you know, work at. Techniques like, you know, if my guest says something and they then move on to something else, but they haven't fully explored something or it leads to a different avenue, then I'll say, well, hold on a second, you mentioned this, and then I, you know, I, I, and I pull them back to it. Yeah. Uh, and I think that helps with you know, giving the fuller story and exploring you know, everything that the, that the guest has to offer. Because the listener's doing that as well. Because you know, yes. what's, I've done it where I'm listening to an episode. And I'm like, oh, please ask that follow-up because the, the, the guest just gave you an opening there. And sometimes yeah. they do and sometimes they don't. You're like, oh, you missed an opportunity there. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And then I'm, you know, I'm now a critique. I'm now a podcaster, especially if it's an interview show. Oh, yeah. I'm now it's like... A student. Oh, nah. A student of the yeah. craft, yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah. So now I think, well, why, did, you know, why, didn't, why didn't he go there? Or, or I'm, my little sort of thing now is trying to figure out whether or not the, the guest got questions in advance. Because <laughs> sometimes it's like, you can tell that, yeah. oh, they're stumped. Yes. Right? They just don't know, what, you know how they're going to answer this. And that's you know, one of the reasons... I like to give them the heads up. Very helpful. So shifting into some something that would be helpful that's in your wheelhouse, we could probably spend another hour just on LinkedIn tips, but what are one or two just very common mistakes or things that people could, could think about? And we have a lot of podcast hosts and, and people who have podcasts listening to the show. So maybe with that audience in mind, you know, having seen so many profiles that are probably abysmal. <laughs> What are some quick fixes for folks who just want to polish their, their profile up? Yeah. So I will say that beauty is in the eye of the of the beholder. So abysmal, yeah, who who am I to say something's poor or well done? Yeah. I think certainly it's about the fact that LinkedIn makes all users make so many decisions. And you know, because when you think about it, now we have to be what? We have to be a website admin. We have to be a marketer. We have to be a PR person. And we also have to write content. Great. Haven't I got enough to do? So, Get some quality headshots then, as well. Create banners. Yes. <laughs> it's all of this stuff that some people are just either not interested to do, right? Perhaps not even equipped to do, and they just don't know how. And that's, you know, that's part of why people work with folks like me. But, you know, common mistakes are certainly the headshot you know, headshot related, uh, because I think nowadays you really don't have an excuse. I mean, my headshot, my current headshot is courtesy of an iPhone X and it's portrait mode and it's probably, you know, whatever, number 70. Yeah. That was the one that, yeah, that's obvious. The rest are not as good, all right? Certainly not this one. So we all have the ability, I think, or most of us have the ability to do that, you know, in our bathroom, 
in portrait mode or wherever there's good lighting. But so that's sometimes what I think is an immediate improvement, particularly when you consider that in the LinkedIn comments, when you're out and about and you're doing your thing on LinkedIn, the three things that people always, always see when you're commenting, when you're appearing in a list or in a group in searches, the three things that people see, your photo, right, your headshot, your name and your headline. So ask yourself, what can you do about those three, three things? How can you improve them? And the headshot is certainly uh, the big one there because we're humans and we automatically check out other humans and their faces. Yeah. And that has to be in the circle. It has to be face dominant, right? Uh, it has to be recognizable as you. And nothing in the background, nothing to take a, you know, any attention away from from that gaze. And then it's also, it can be pretty tiny. It's not a big circle. Yeah. There are three different sizes. And the tiny circle, again, you know, very, very strong case for an easy to, an, an easy to comprehend or easy to recognize uh, headshot. And then the name, you can't really do much about, but I was just posting about this today. Some, someone, you know, noticed that I was capitalized, right? Uh, and most people do not uppercase their entire name and i i don't understand why but somehow it's been conventioned that people just capitalize you know the h in harry and the d in, in duran and why i mean if you look on if you look at tv next time you look at tv all subtitles are capitalized and so why are we doing it differently on linkedin so it's little stuff like that where you observe and you notice and if the rest of the crowd right are doing it you don't have to do it just because they're doing it and further if you change it up if you do something different then you're standing out because now i'm capitalized and well why is andy capitalized oh I can I can spot someone's different in this list. It's Andy. Yeah, that's why I had dots on either side. I remember of my, when you did that. Yeah. My, my name, right? <laughs> Until the copycats. So, yeah, yeah, and you either get that or you don't. But try and use it to your advantage. Try and you know be creative with some of these things. There there aren't really you know there are some rules, but some are definitely experiment to be broken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the headline the headline is all about the slogan. You know, the headline I think should be doing a lot of work for okay. you. It should be. Not only saying what you do, but also saying what you like to do or saying why you do it. Or, you know, you can you can go to town there. And then the other thing is the banner. You know, the, the banner is often, if someone's living in Chicago and have got, you know, they've got the bean in their banner, great. That's, you know, I love it. I love that bean. It's a fantastic structure and it's, you know, it, it makes you think and it's fun. And I think it was, yeah, I think it was also British. It's a British architect uh, <laughs> oh, okay. who, who put that together. Yeah, yeah. But... My point is, if you're doing that, then what does that say about your brand? That you're in Chicago? Mm, how does someone in Minneapolis you know, care about that? It's just not relevant. So it's got to be about your brand. It's got to be a specific. There's no, again, there's no excuses because you've got tools like Canva that are free. Basic functionality is free. You can put together a fantastic banner you know, very quickly. Uh, so, yeah, those two in particular, yeah. I can see usually yeah can you know massive improvement i noticed on yours you use a white background and it actually makes your banner look bigger i just realized that it's yeah. very um, i just i might have to change mine up now <laughs> very cool i like that yeah i do like the white background and it, it, it you know because if you look at if you think about the linkedin color palette yeah. then it's all you know it's all white 
Yeah, so we'll help. We'll have links to your obviously your website, your podcast, and all the groups that you're part of in the show notes as well. So we'll make sure people can refer to that. So a couple of questions as we wrap up. For the longest time, because of the photograph that I went with, right, the headshot that yeah. I went with, you know, I wasn't particularly meaning to be grumpy or to appear, you know, cantankerous. But that was certainly the impression. That is funny, yeah. And because that was the impression, I went with it. And my headline at that time to align perfectly with that grumpy attitude, growling almost, grizzly guy, was, you know, the reason I'm so miserable is because I've seen too many awful <laughs> uh, LinkedIn profiles today, right? And so it's like, ah, yeah, I get it. It's, it I get Andy Shtick. He's all about, you know, improving LinkedIn. Therefore, that's why he looks sour. That was misunderstood because, as you know, Harry, as 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 your listeners will know, I love humor. I love to yeah. laugh, right? You know, I'm gregarious, and that just that photo was not me, not not authentic. Yeah, I think I was. We we had had no engagement where we actually talked, so I, I think I was surprised because I think that probably was the first impression, like <laughs> cantankerous yeah. interview coming up with grumpy, grumpy Andy Foot. Um, yeah, exactly. Crump, grumpy, and sort of uh, who is this Simon Cowell? of LinkedIn. <laughs> why does why does he get to critique exactly. uh, everyone else? Well, you know, why why is he able to do that? What's something you've changed your mind about recently? Good one. So, there was this interesting piece that I read uh, uh, from a Swiss immunologist of some renown and sort of shared with me on Facebook by a, a friend of mine and his take was about how look, no one's asymptomatic and there is basically he was saying that the problem is that the wrong people are talking about this and when i realized that you know what he was saying made sense to me because you can build up uh, immunity and you either have the disease and you're spreading it or you don't that made me a less a lot less nervous a lot less uh, frustrated with people in my vicinity right who were mask less so as an example i was in florida a few weeks ago and Floridians, by and large, just ain't masking. They just, they just don't not, do it. Not so, a fan of the mask. <laughs> no, and to me, that's that's bizarre because clearly, even even if it helps a little bit, right? If we if we do that yeah. for you know three weeks, and this fucking thing is gone, then do it. Just just do it. I don't I don't understand. It's like no, I I don't want you to. I don't want anyone to tell me to wear. It. No, dude. Just like so in Florida, you know, I, I go through a, a restaurant and my mask is in my pocket and it's crowded. I'm thinking, fuck, did I just infect myself? And then two weeks after the self imposed quarantine, phew, yeah. I, I clearly didn't. That was a, I dodged a bullet. So, you know, this was something that changed my mind because I read what this guy was saying and. Yeah, you know, he 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 could back it up, and it made complete sense to me because we re, there's so much we don't know about about COVID-19. Everyone's an amateur virologist now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, I, I get that we're still learning, but, you know, for, forewarned, you know, is forearmed. And now we know, and we're learning more, and it's scary. And you know, hopefully we'll all be vaccinated at the beginning of next year. You find that article and i'm happy to include that in the show notes as well make sure because people I, that's always that's a pet peeve when people when podcast hosts say we'll put that in the show notes and i and i race to the show notes and they're like not there and i'm like we well, promised <laughs>
Yeah, see, that's the other thing about, you know, I, I love the podcast. I love the, you know, the immediacy of it and, and the fun of doing it. And then, it was the, then there's all the work on the back end that you do so brilliantly, yeah. right? So there's the show notes, there's the links, yeah. right? So I think, oh, I've got 21 episodes now. <laughs> I have to do all of that. Oh, I should have been doing it earlier. Oh, no. So thank you so much for making the time and being flexible with your schedule. We originally had this scheduled for late in September and thankfully had an opening. So I'm happy we got to talk because I was looking forward to get caught up and then get connected. So it's not just a conversation we're having digitally in a Facebook or LinkedIn group. And now we we've know each other a little more. And I'm a big fan of your work. And I think I'm, I'm encouraging listener to follow what you do. If you have any interest in, in taking your, your LinkedIn game to the next level and it's something that I'm going to aspire to do better, not only for myself, but also for what we do for clients, because we produce shows and we promote them on, on social channels. And there's an art and a science to how you promote content on LinkedIn as well. So I think that, that, that's helpful. Yes, so um, are, are you doing anything specifically for your episodes on LinkedIn? I haven't been so far. So far, it's all been about the guests and you know speaking about their career trajectory uh, you know, what they've learned and you know, going in various directions. I'm not focusing so much on LinkedIn, okay. but, you know, I'm happy to to mix it up. You know, for example, I had one one person who is in the sales sales field and a buddy of mine is saying, hey, uh, I'd love to come on, but I'd love to sit down with Amy. Could You know, how about doing multiple guests? And that's very appealing to me. You know, Squadcast can, of course, do yes. four. And that, yeah, that, that would be so so cool to do you know getting getting all of those you know opinions and and and. that's another skill set like managing multiple guests i've had to do it a couple of times and it's its own set of challenges because you want both folks to get uh do you want them talking over each other and you want them both to get equal uh screen time so that's moderator (laughs) moderator yeah 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 Yeah, so that that's so many things as you know you know so many ways you can you can go and do podcasting Thanks again, Andy. I really appreciate you sharing your wisdom and I will make sure all the information you shared is in our show notes. And where's the best place that you want to point people to, to engage with you? Yeah, I'd love if they uh, seek me out, find me on LinkedIn for sure. That would be great. And yeah, just say, hey, let's use the code word Duran Duran. How about that? <laughs> okay. That's all you have to say. In the connection request, just go Duran Duran. Perfect. I okay. got you. Thanks again, Andy. My pleasure. Thanks again to Andy for coming on the show. Much appreciated. We haven't covered LinkedIn on here in a while. I think the last one may have been Karen Yankovic, (laughs) and that was the last detailed conversation on the platform. So nice to see what's the latest and greatest for podcasters. Once again, if you enjoyed this episode or past episodes, please leave us a rating and review at ratethispodcast.com forward slash podcast junkies. Special thanks to our sponsor. Podcast Movement Virtual takes place October 19th through the 29th. Visit virtual.podcastmovement.com, and if you sign up, use the code PODCASTJUNKIES for the biggest discount that you'll find anywhere. Intro and outro music composed by Cedar and Soil. Check out his full line of music at cedarsoil.com. Podcast production and marketing provided by Fullcast. If your company would like to understand how a podcast can help you build your brand, sign up for a free consultation call at fullcast.co forward slash chat 15. Tune in next week for my conversation with Jordan Gasporé, podcaster extraordinaire with tons of experience on some high-profile podcasts, and we learn a lot about what it takes to create really compelling content. If you made it this far, no doubt it's the retention hashtag you're looking for. Let's go with 
LinkedIn Andy, hashtag LinkedIn Andy, and you can tag Andy at AndyXFoot on Twitter and podcast underscore junkies as always. And on behalf of Isla's Squeaky Toy, thanks for everything you do to support the show. Have a great day.